0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host. Thanks for joining us on 42 radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, and the show website, CREshow.com. We have a great show for you today. We're gonna talk about student housing. You know, student housing has been a very interesting sector, especially with how well apartments have been performing. A lot of investors are interested in the market. We're going to talk about how the market's performing. We're going to talk about market projections. We're going to talk about cap rates. We're going to talk about some tips and strategies. And let's just get started now. Please welcome my first guest. It's Taylor Guns. He's a research analyst with Axiometrics. Joining us on the phone. Taylor, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks Michael. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well we appreciate it and Taylor just to get us started how is student housing properties how is that sector performing right now?
1: Well actually we've seen um, the student housing properties uh, overall performance has been strong. We're seeing beds leasing faster than the past couple years and occupancies have remained stable and also we're seeing positive rent growth. Mm -hmm. Nationally um, pre-leases averaging around 82%. That's as of June. This is up almost 300 basis points from around this time last year. And annual effective rent growth is around 2% nationally. But keep in mind this varies by individual assets. Mm -hmm. We're seeing hundreds of properties with rent growth of 3% or more.
0: Nice. And in those uh, properties with the highest uh, rate, rate growth and rent growth are those more uh, Class A newer projects, or are they just in the around the uh, universities that are growing faster? Uh,
1: it's a it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely seeing the universities that are growing faster. A lot of those properties are increasing their rents because of the demand. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And how does this type of performance compare to, say, recession years and and, and recent years?
1: Well, we aren't seeing exactly the same performance that we were seeing during the recession years, at least in terms of revenue growth. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're, we're approaching those levels and still seeing strong performance. But with student housing, it follows a different trend from conventional multifamily during recessionary periods because of more people dropping out of the labor force and enrolling in school. So demand is extremely high at, around universities and for student housing during those periods.
0: And for our listeners that uh, may not be that familiar with student housing, maybe they're, they're involved in other sectors. So then, re- during the recession, student housing did well? Yes. Yep.
1: We saw revenue growth average around 2.4% during those years.
0: Great. So I guess that's one of the reasons institutional investors uh, must have an interest, more of an interest in this sector, right? Uh, you know, while maybe yeah. some other sectors are, are doing are, are doing poorly, this sector's doing well, right? Right. Yeah. Well, what are your predictions moving forward, Taylor? Moving forward, um, we're
1: seeing that occupancy Will remain strong, averaging around 150 basis points above the long-term average, at least for privately owned student housing properties, mm-hmm. and rent growth to average above long-term levels as well. Um, we're projecting that supply growth be sustained, but kind of moderate, and with healthy enrollment growth, this will help drive the performance group for these privately owned student housing properties.
0: Okay, and I guess new supply is always a concern to to investors in a market, especially a market like this that that might be a little smaller than the normal apartment market. you know how have new supply levels uh, been running in, in recently and compared to the past?
1: Absolutely. Um, so historically we've seen over 600,000 off-campus beds delivered throughout the student housing market mm-hmm. and over 200,000 of those have been delivered from 2011 to currently. And these, we, we saw sort of elevated levels over the last few years, but deliveries for 2015 are down around 20%. Mm-hmm. We saw 63,000 beds delivered in 2014, which was kind of a peak for the sector, but we're seeing 49,000 off-campus beds expected for this year.
0: Okay, so new supply is, uh is 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 not what it used to be right so you're there's less new supply coming online
1: absolutely yes um and we don't really see it as a bad thing historically we've seen kind of these peaks and then a slight decline for a few years and then it begins to trend upward again
0: okay and uh why would we see less uh, new supply right now Is it has to do with available land or the economy financing construction cost what what might lead to that
1: um, I think it's a mix of the land availability close to campus. Many developers target the core locations right next to the universities, and you know, as the sector has grown, that land has dried up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, construction costs um, are a part of that as well.
0: Right, because the same with you uh, kind of the growth this sector's had, the stability it's had, the. You know the forecast that that you'd, you'd see new supply, but uh, uh, I guess if you can't find the land, it's too expensive to build it. That makes the numbers hard to to work, right? Absolutely. Well, what are some markets, Taylor, that that have seen good growth and, and good enrollment growth and uh, and, uh, and and also new supply? Um, for new supply, we've seen you know
1: several of the larger schools. You know, Texas A and M. Some of Texas State, University of Texas at Austin, historically has seen quite a bit of supply, but it's kind of leveling off now. Um, LSU, Louisiana State University, is one that's seen the most supply being delivered for 2015. In regards to demand, there's a few schools that historically have seen strong growth. Um, Florida Gulf Coast University, historically historically has seen around 11% enrollment growth per year. And we're projecting that, you know, that remains healthy over the next five to six years, around 2.4%. Savannah State is also another one that's actually among the top in terms of projected enrollment growth over the next five to six years. They're projected to average around 4.3% growth per year.
0: Well, it looks like there's still some uh, good opportunities uh, out there to, to put some new supply uh, in, in line. Well, what are some of the other factors, uh, Taylor, that are impacting the student housing market? It seems to, to be its own little world compared to the some of these sectors.
1: Yeah. Um, a few factors that we've seen impact the sector. Mm-hmm. One is the lack of supply in the early development cycles of student housing. Mm-hmm. This has created some pent-up demand Um, Throughout the sector, along with moderate enrollment growth historically, enrollment growth is the main driver in the student housing sector. So positive growth creates the new demand for student housing. So if we look at the 160 markets that Asymetrics forecast on, we've seen enrollment growth average around 1.4% per year historically. And we're projecting that growth to remain positive over the next six years. So this will create new demand of over 300 new students across these universities going forward. So we will need even more supply to fill the demand from those growing students.
0: And this new supply that's going to be needed—is there an affordability issue to that? I mean, can can these new students coming in, you know, afford kind of new um, the privately owned um, student housing?
1: That's always a concern and a discussion that we hear a lot is, I mean, the affordability not only for the student housing properties, but, you know, tuition growth as well. um, We're seeing the new properties being built at the top of the market, and it is a concern for developers um, and owners and operators of whether students will be able to afford that going forward. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, as you analyze this, this market, is there anything that kind of jumps out to you that, that might surprise people uh, when you're analyzing the student housing industry?
1: Um, you know, not every I, – I get this question a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see many surprises. Mm-hmm. My thing is I feel like the sector just continues to improve. And I think it's more of a surprise that it continues to gain momentum and continues to mature despite, you know, the increasing supply, especially on a national basis.
0: Yeah, I think that, that is a surprise. You know, I guess everyone expected it when, the, when there's, there was job issues, right, and a lot of people were going back to school. But you can see it continue to improve. Uh, I guess it's, it's great. You know, it's good for the economy, right? Right. Excellent. Well, Taylor, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show with us.
1: Thanks so much, Michael.
0: If you like more information from Axiometrics, visit their website. It's axiometrics.com. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the student housing market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit BullRealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about student housing. Please welcome my next guest is Brent Little. He's president of Fountain Residential Partners. They are student housing developers and they're based out of Dallas. They do projects all over the country. Brent, thanks for joining us here in Studio One. Thank you, Michael. Well, we appreciate it. And you know, when I set up the show in the first segment, one of the things that I mentioned is that some people that are interested in uh, multifamily start to get interested in uh, student housing but in some ways it can be quite different, can it?
2: Yes, it is. Um, The biggest differences between conventional or luxury multifamily and student housing is that it's, uh, we aggregate a lot of different services together. So it's not just an apartment you're renting, you're also renting the furniture, the cable TV, the high speed internet, everything is presented in one package. And then also we lease with joint several leases. So you don't have to lease the entire apartment. You can just lease your bedroom or your suite, which is very convenient for the parents. And you're not responsible for any damage that the guy living across the way from you did to the apartment either. So it it keeps it affordable and it's very convenient for the parents. You don't have to come in and set up the gas and the electric and all of those things. It's all done there for you. You come in, you don't have to move furniture in, you don't have to have a U-Haul van with you. Mm-hmm.
0: You come in with your clothes and your laptop and you're ready to go. Yeah, and that's one of the things I guess that makes it make sense that if, unlike apartments where you talk about per unit, where in this business you talk, you talk about per bed, right? You talk about it per bed on the rental basis
2: and also mm-hmm. on the sales basis. Right. That's what you're really looking at. Right. And then the le- Leasing is quite different, right? Uh, You've got to be ready for that, all right? It, it's very different in, in many ways. Um, one way is that the students are early adopters, and mm-hmm. so a lot of them are surfing the web. We lease a lot of apartments via the Internet at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, because mm-hmm. that's when kids, they've stopped watching Netflix and they don't have anything to do, so they'll be there with their friends in their old apartment or at their house, and say it's time for me to find a place to live and so mm-hmm. you have to have a great online presence and a mobile presence which is um, maybe a little bit different from the conventional marketplace where they're walking in the door.
0: Right. And how about the actual lease terms and uh, you know the summertime, downtime and the the turnkey of, of, of the units uh, you know all at once. How is that different and, and, and challenging? Well. well All of the the, uh, student housing
2: markets these days are 12-month leases Mm -hmm. uh, which runs a little bit different from the on-campus housing. Mm -hmm. When you're competing with the on-campus housing you have the benefit though of, I have three kids in college now so I know this, they have to move out every November or December and move back in in January even when they're moving in and out of the same place. Mm -hmm. And also the on-campus housing is usually a bit more expensive because they're building a high-rise development with concrete construction and the like, so it's a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what about the tenant demands now? I mean, how are, how are the customers changing? Is it the the old student housing uh, that that my generation's used to? <laughs> It it is completely different. In
2: fact, it it changes every five to 10 years. If you go and you look at an apartment project that was built for students five or 10 years ago, and you look at one today, they're very, very different. We use condo-like finishes now. They're granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. Uh, We put 50-inch flat screen TVs in the living room. We've got massaging shower heads. We've got uh, some apartments in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we're building right now that are two-story townhomes with a a pool table in the rumpus room upstairs.
0: Nice. (laughs) So
2: I don't, is that the kind of place that you lived in, Michael? (laughs) No,
0: I don't remember having a pool table. Uh, That would have been nice though. And so the communities that the older communities and the new communities you guys are building, so you guys are adjusting, there's more amenities in these projects. Oh, the amenities, Arms Race has been on for a
2: few years. (laughs) And in fact, uh, the conventional business we in the student housing business used to look at the conventional business for our keys and our cues mm-hmm. now there's no holds barred in the student housing business you've got lazy rivers going in rock climbing walls um, simulator golf i mean there i've i've been to properties where it it beats any resort that you can go to anywhere in the United States the level of amenities
0: that they have there for the students that's amazing and what about security today I mean that's always a concern of, of the parents right when they're when their children attend in these these schools for the, especially in their freshman year
2: right and that's one reason also you have more females than males at most universities mm-hmm. and so for whatever reason we're always more concerned with our daughters yes. and We use uh, safe lock electronic keying systems now, like you have in hotels. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have a key fob that gets you into the building, accesses the elevator, takes you to your floor, gets you in your unit and into your bedroom, and it's all uh, tracked so you can see who has entered your apartment, who's entered your bedroom, who's entered various floors into the elevators, things like that to track it. And then also we have security cameras throughout both the parking and then in the apartments themselves so that we can keep tabs on things and what we say is we can't say that nothing is ever going to happen
0: but we can tell you it's not going to happen twice um, <laughs> well yeah we, we don't want anything bad to happen right especially that's to right. our daughters our sons can take it right,
3: that's, that's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a man up right well you're talking about technology there too that uh with um with these security items that you can do now, which is very helpful. But what else is uh, is technology? How is that changing uh, your student housing environment today?
2: Once again, as compared with the conventional apartments, the broadband architecture is critically important here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the students are the early adopters. Our sons and daughters are the ones that get the latest iPad and iPhone and use them more than we do. Mm-hmm. So when the new iPhone comes out and it doubles the, the uh amount of information that needs to be transmitted through our broadband architecture we have to be ready for that and then also the students themselves more and more of their courses they take are online they're getting their syllabus off uh, online they're taking their tests online they're downloading books online and then they're using Netflix more and more. So the broadband architecture, the Wi-Fi throughout the property is critically important. And I always say, if the water goes down, you'll get two calls down to the leasing office. If the internet goes down, you'll get 200. (laughs) Right,
0: because they want to study, right? That's right, it's critically important. (laughs) They don't want to watch movies or anything, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, what are some of the advantages to to investing in student housing over, say, conventional apartments? I think
2: one of the biggest issues for me when I got into the business Mm -hmm. and I was working at a conventional apartment builder at the time is that you get in, if if you want to, as an investor get in and out. Mm -hmm. You can do it much quicker. Mm -hmm. You have to realize that when we're leasing these projects, especially new developments, we're often leasing just with online tools. Mm -hmm. We're building virtual models and we're leased often to 95 to 100 percent of occupancy before we even open the doors. So when you move in, you're stabilized year one, day one. And that means that you can then go out and either put permanent financing on it immediately Mm -hmm. or sell and transact that property as compared Mm -hmm. with a conventional asset that may take you two years to stabilize at 20 to 25 units per month being leased. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have stabilization and sales. So it's a much shorter threshold if you want to get in and out with your capital. Yeah.
0: Well, speed's important and we're on the break, but you get a slightly higher cap rate too, right? Than conventional apartments. Uh, You get a slightly higher. That has been trending
2: downwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about 50 basis points is Mm -hmm. is what most people would think now, but it continues to compress because of the amount of capital that's in the sector.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Uh, A lot of investors are interested in student housing. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on student housing. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Hey, be sure not to miss a show coming up that might be of special interest to you. Sign up for a once a week email announcing the new show topic each week at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today, we are talking about student housing. My guest is Brent Little. He's with Fountain Residential Partners. And uh, Brent, we talked about. Uh, you know some of the markets that uh, might have some demand for new supply. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, some of the other issues around student housing. So where are the opportunities?
2: Well, what's happened recently is that there's been a feeding frenzy in the larger schools. And as Taylor said previously, uh, there's been a lot of demand and also a lot of pipeline going into those Mm -hmm. schools. So uh, the larger schools have maybe seen an overabundance of supply. And so we like to look at those markets that are being missed. Mm -hmm. It's it's about that supply-demand balance. Mm -hmm. And so it's important when you're looking at investing in a school, not just to understand the enrollment growth, which may even be flat but what the demand is there and a lot of these smaller schools have not seen any new apartment development or the latest class of student housing so we think those
0: are real opportunities hitting them where they ain't as you would say. (laughs) I like that and you guys are building really nice new uh, facilities but uh, it's also a sector that people can get into in a smaller scale right?
2: Definitely. A lot of people in the industry started very small, and the easiest way is you've got a piece of property near a college or a university and there's demand for housing. You lease that out to two or three kids, you like that, mm-hmm. and then you go and you maybe tear down the two-bedroom house and build a four or six-bedroom house, you start leasing that out and you see you like that. Then you buy the property next to you and you build a few townhomes, mm-hmm. and then it just grows and grows until you've got a couple of hundred beds and a nice portfolio. But you can enter it at any level. You can do acquisitions and new development. There's lots of opportunity there. And even in the major universities, if you went and looked at kind of where all of those housing needs are being met, they're from brand new institutional quality uh, off-campus housing all the way down to the mom and pop or what we call the stealth dorms.
0: Yeah, nice. Well what would you say to the folks who are a little concerned in the industry about the affordability of these new student housing projects? I mean we have the cost of of attending the schools going up you know we have student housing uh, debt uh, that's that's always in the news Um, and and are these new developments affordable for the students?
2: Well for the most part they are because when you look at this as compared with conventional housing Mm -hmm. Uh, The majority of our projects lease for about $650 a bed, obviously in urbanized areas like downtown Minneapolis it's more. Mm -hmm. But in, in most of our properties it's about $650 a bed and that includes everything. And your resort-style pool, all of your amenities, the fitness facility, tanning facilities—all <laughs> of that—that that would be additional cost. I got to keep so, my tan. That's <laughs> right. You got to get that going. So, if you went out there and you you got an apartment, you had to put furniture in it, cable TV, internet, gas, pay for your tanning membership, Michael, <laughs> and then also your fitness membership. I know yeah. you've got that going on. Yeah. So. So it would be significantly higher, and so it's a value proposition, and you've also got a situation where we've got on-campus people or on-site people that are taking care of you, maintaining the property, the safety, security, all of those things that make us feel good at night.
0: Well, that makes sense. You know, uh, I've heard some folks talk about, you know, maybe buying a townhome or, or a duplex or something in these towns. And, you know, when you add the maintenance and the utilities and the, you know, the cable and all that up, it's going to be quite a bit more than 650 a bed, I would imagine.
2: It, it definitely is. But but talking about some of the headwinds, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the risk of interest rate increase. Construction mm-hmm. costs have been raising uh, rising mm-hmm. significantly in the past few years. So it's not a matter of just build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. There is a, a measure of where they cannot afford that anymore, and you, you will find that out. But as a rule, if you do your market research, you do your homework, you see what the cost to live on campus is, and compare that to the other options in that marketplace,
0: you can see, see where the trend line is and what the successful leasing is being done at. Okay, and you mentioned headwinds. Uh, what are some other challenges that, that folks like you in this sector uh, might have some concerns about moving forward?
2: I think overbuilding is one of the greatest ones right now. We mm-hmm. touched on that previously, that there's there's so much exuberance in the sector. There's so much capital that's flooded into the sector from institutional investors, and that's been a very, very good thing, but it's also caused some markets to be overbuilt. So that's one, the construction cost increases. Interest rates haven't really affected it significantly, but right now, if you're building a good quality asset in a walk-to-campus location, those properties are selling at a sub-six cap. Mm -hmm. So you can enter at, you know, a seven to seven and a half on your ROI, and be exiting with a difference between 150 to 200 basis points on your investment, which gets you good returns for yourself
0: and your investors. Right, right. Yeah, nice nice opportunities in student housing. And stay tuned. We'll have some more tips and strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Collier's, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Today we're talking about student housing. My guest is Brent Little. He's with Fountain Residential Partners. And Brent, I'd like to see what is it that you like about the student housing industries, or something that kind of drew you to the to the sector.
2: Well, I was working in the conventional multifamily sector, and what I saw in the student housing sector that I liked was number one, it's just a very good product. Uh, as a father now with three kids in school, I see that it provides something that's very affordable. It provides the convenience factor for the consumer and at the time, 15 years ago, I saw it as a huge growth market we've seen how much it's grown in that time with the presence of the three REITs and how much the universities have grown. All of those factors were very attractive. The ability to get capital in and out and turn that very quickly with the student housing assets was important too. And that there were, there were so many areas where you could go on a national basis to attract it. You know, if you're, if you're local or you're regional as an apartment guy, you know, if the Atlanta market goes down and you're the Atlanta guy, then you have trouble. But if you can go anywhere in the United States and build
0: student housing, there's always gonna be a place for you. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And let's talk about you guys, your vision and your views at, at Fountain. What, what's your plans there? What, what, what are you guys doing moving forward? well we really specialize
2: in the walk to campus locations and high barriers to entry Um, you know the beachfront property as some of our investors call it Mm -hmm. is critically important and what you've seen is that assets over the long term that have that kind of walk to campus location hold their value long term better than those that we built in previous years that were maybe two three four miles away from campus we used Mm -hmm. to go far away from campus where we could buy the land a little more affordably and build lower density projects, keeping the price point very low. And what we've seen is that as those projects have aged, The students have voted with their feet in their pocketbooks and said, we want to live closer to campus, but we're willing to pay for it. That's the important point. And so we can afford now to build projects that are higher, higher density. Probably about two thirds of the projects that we build now have structured parking. They're mixed use. They're very urban. If you think about the locations where colleges and universities are, none of them are in the cornfield they're all in highly urbanized areas Mm -hmm. and so you're going to look for land that's already developed we're typically tearing things down we've torn down biker bars (laughs) k-marts you name it and we've torn it down and built student housing there
0: can't believe you've torn down a biker bar i know i'm sorry
2: you had to find another place to go michael
0: (laughs) that's that's right (laughs) well do you guys use capital partners when you're doing these deals how do you We do. You're typically structured about
2: two-thirds debt with conventional bank debt, and Mm -hmm. about a third of it is financed with equity. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of different places to find your equity, depending upon the size of the deal, too. We've done projects that were as small as 118 beds, and then Mm -hmm. projects that were over 1,000 so depending upon the size of your equity need that can tailor the type of equity investor that you're looking for there's big institutional investors out there that are developing uh, and putting capital into these deals. Some of those will be kind of 90, 10, 80, 20 deals where you have to have 10 to 20% of the sponsorship capital yourself. And then they're putting in 80 to 90% of the capital. And then you can also go out and find high net worth individuals, family offices. All of these people are players in the space, both for developments and acquisitions.
0: Have you heard of anyone in your space uh, using crowdfunding for capital?
2: Uh, we've heard rumors of it, mm-hmm. but haven't really seen it on a, on a tangible basis.
0: Okay. And uh, lenders, uh, primary lenders and banks, they're, they're really interested. They're, they're fighting for your business, I assume.
2: Uh, all of the major lenders are, mm-hmm. are in the space. Mm-hmm. And then on the permanent financing, Fannie and Freddie are the big players there. Yeah. You've also got the, uh, the life companies. Are, are in the space as well. So it's, it's a very competitive market for the financing. There's more capital than there are good deals, but that's the key. If you find a really good deal, a great location, great asset that's designed properly, then you won't have the
0: problem attracting the capital to it if your rents are set right. Okay. And then when you're selling these projects, I guess you're really finding it in a seller's market right now? It
2: is. It's very competitive. Uh, we just put an asset on the market the mm-hmm. other day, and within the first week, we had over a hundred CAs signed uh, taking a look at that asset. So, mm-hmm. uh, as I note, it's compressing cap rates and getting them down well below six in uh, in the high barrier market markets and in the urban areas.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of an interesting time, I think. You know, with the high demand that we have, the low interest rates, I think are pushing a lot of capital towards commercial real estate in general and uh and then you have these low cap rates for for buyers who are financing and uh you know it's, it's quite a window that we have right now if, if if folks have assets and they're thinking about selling maybe in the next five years uh would you think this is a good time to sell i, th- I think it's a very good time mm-hmm. and
2: if we always say if you're not a buyer, you're, you're a seller, but we have people on both sides of that ledger. There's lots of people that have capital to get out and there's people that have built good projects that are looking at capitalizing on that investment. I think the other thing that's attractive is it it is an asset class that's somewhat countercyclical. Mm-hmm. If you look at enrollment growth during the recession years, there's actually a spike in enrollment growth in the recession years. And so when we've analyzed portfolios of conventional or luxury apartment assets, they have not fared as well in the downtimes of the cycles in real estate as the student housing assets have.
0: Well, that's interesting. So, you know, that's a great way to round out your portfolio, right? Uh, get some diversity there. And I guess that also would help the, the REITs and, down, and downturns, right, that, that own uh, student housing.
2: Definitely, it
0: does. Yeah, because yeah. if you like real estate, uh, you might want something that in the downtime is, is doing well, right. kind of round you out. I think another important
2: factor is there are so many different universities that you have to tailor it specifically to that university. So, Brent,
0: thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here in Studio One. You bet. Thank you, Michael. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on student housing. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit commercialrealestateshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about student housing. Please welcome my next guest, it's Michael Brown. Michael is president of the Student Housing Group with Bull Realties. Join joining us here in Studio One in Atlanta. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate having you. So you're out here selling these student housing
3: properties all over the country. What's hot? What kind of properties are our buyers looking for? Uh, for core assets at tier one major universities, Demand is tremendous. Foreign capital is coming into the market, uh, capital from uh, uh, private equity all over the place. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great time for uh, those sorts of product.
0: Okay. And what if I have a property at a, at a smaller school or maybe an older property? Is there a demand there?
3: Oh yes, oh yes. There's a, there is an investor, investors are looking for all, uh, all these assets. Mm-hmm. Um, tier two schools, smaller schools, um even tier 3 yes there's there's a a demand for student housing across the board there's there's value add players there's regional players mm-hmm. there's uh small investors it's really a uh, a very good time for it the season. sector
0: yeah i guess Brent Little we were talking to earlier with Fountain suggesting that you know, if, if you're looking to sell maybe in the next five years, that uh, this is a good time to do it before interest rates rise. Do you agree with that?
3: I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's, a, uh, it's a, a to me, a perfect storm right now for a seller in that uh, uh, capital cap rates are low, as low as they're probably ever going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a tremendous amount of equity out there, that uh, is looking to purchase, and there's uh, uh, debt that, that can be had mm-hmm. at a very reasonable rate. So. All right.
0: Well, what kind of cap rate could you get me? I mean, with foreign investors and private and institutional and public, you know, if you put a property on the market that's in a tier one school, it's a large core asset, institutional quality, what kind of cap rate might you bring me?
3: Uh, we're going to be sub six on a, real, on a trophy, on a mm-hmm. really nice project. Mm-hmm. New, beautiful, 300 plus beds mm-hmm. at a major university, we're, we're sub-six. Nice. Um, as we move a little further away, a little more age, mm-hmm. smaller schools, we start to get more into the six to six-and-a-half ranges. Each project is specific. Each project stands on its own. Each market stands on its own. So okay. it's it's you have to look at each one.
0: All right. So if I've got a smaller property and a smaller school, uh, I might be – even sevens or eights or whatever right yeah it depends on the property
3: there's certainly demand for it though
0: okay well what are some tips so if i wanted to consider selling my
3: property uh today uh, what are a few tips for for that i would make sure my leasing was in place Mm -hmm. i would take care of any deferred maintenance Mm -hmm. that i could uh take a look at the paving and the painting and Mm -hmm. appliances and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd make sure the management was in place and doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, Buyers are going to look at all of that. Okay and what about the way I take it to market? What do you recommend there? Uh, You know there are uh, um, uh, agents like myself that around the country there's a handful of us around the country that do exclusively uh, student housing Mm -hmm. and we do focus on it and we're more aware of the uh, buyers and the values of these properties, and um, uh, if you're thinking about it, that's probably
0: that's a good an point. Idea I mean, to call. Like we've been talking about the rest of the show, there's uh, some quite a few differences between apartments and student housing, and if yes. you know the nuances of the industry, or using a broker wherever they are in the country, that, that sure. that's all they do. it has got to add value. Well, thanks for adding value for our listeners. Thanks for being here.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Michael.
0: We appreciate it. All right. And, join us next week. We're going to talk about retail and retail real estate. That's been an incredible sector with lots of opportunity, uh, some properties uh, having trouble leasing, and some with huge rents, huge tenant demand, and very low cap rates. We'll know more about it next week. Please join us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. RealNex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R E A L N E X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit cre